0: better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Wheelhouse DNA.
1: I think everybody has the right to grieve and go through it the way that suits them best and honors the situation the best. Grieving is uh, a difficult experience. For me, just really wrapping my brain around the concept of this person that was such a big part of my life, that's done. I'm never physically going to have him sitting in front of me again.
0: From Wheelhouse DNA and Acast, this is Comfort Food, a show about life, loss, grief, Celebration, and the meals that support us through it all. I'm your host, Kelly Rizzo. My guest today has been a working actor in Hollywood since he was just a kid and has experienced the extreme highs and lows that come with growing up in the spotlight. His TV and movie credits are far too many to mention here, but I was recently a guest on his podcast called Oldish, which is a super exciting project that I had a blast doing. He also appeared with me on the show Special Forces that you can catch now on Hulu. He's a wonderful actor podcast host and now friend. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Brian Austin Green. Well, Brian. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here yes. today. Thank you for having me. So excited to have you. I mean, we did just chat not that long ago on your podcast. On my podcast. But now uh, you're turning the favor. This is, so thank we, you for being here. we do this.
1: This is our new like our new dynamic. We just continue to do swap. podcasts yeah. and <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the only way we're ever going to hang out is only on each other's podcast. I didn't know you yeah. until personally until we went to New Zealand together, which right. we'll get into. Yeah. But just the concept of, you know, obviously I've known who you are since I was 12, maybe or something, <laughs> you right. know, like when did everything like 90, 91 was when 90 no, no, 210
1: started in 90.
0: 90. Okay. So I was 11. So literally since 11 and you're a teenager you know and I, i'm like you're horribly in the, dating me right now well you still don't think of yourself that far removed from even being a teenager
1: right yeah At, and you i mean god you you proved just being on on the show that age is literally just a number i mean the the only thing i noticed about myself cuz i i felt really good doing the show i felt like if if special forces was literally just the uh the challenges and that i could have stuck it out um but the your body at 50 just does not recover the same the way it did in between stuff at 20
0: it was the in between stuff that really got to us and I, I guess was we'll so sore. Yeah. And we'll let let's state for the record here that that's how we met was on yes. Special Forces, yeah. World's Toughest Test. Yeah. This show, this crazy show that we just did for Fox. But I wanna talk about why you did it in the first place. And this is what I was so fascinated by when we first met. We had a long car ride together. We like did. it was either maybe the first day or the second day. Yeah. And you we're just i i didn't know your story of what you had gone through and yeah. obviously i want to hear more about that but the reason why you went on the show was to prove something to yourself yeah. and to show yourself and i'm sure your family and your friends that physically and emotionally that you made it back from this incredibly traumatic horrific Yeah, physical challenge that you went through. So if you could talk a bit about why you went on the show, but then also if we could get into, you know, what What that time was like for you. Yeah.
1: So, um, yeah, I was, I was somewhere around 40 years old. It's all, the dates are a bit foggy to me because of the brain fog and everything that I went through. But, uh, I had, I had had some health stuff leading up to it. Ulcerative colitis, vertigo. I had a bout of that for like three months and it was really severe, but it was uh, no matter who, what doctor I went to see, it was undiagnosed. They they couldn't make any sense of what was going on. And then all of a sudden I started having this neurological stuff happening. It's, and it was, it happened slowly. I started noticing like in driving these little things and slurring little words here and there. And it was scary as shit. Cause I was like, I don't, what is going on? Like, I'm in. I love I'm an avid driver. I love driving. I've, I've raced cars before. And I'm hitting curbs and like oversteering and doing things that aren't me. And then it just like quickly regressed. It just, it, it went from zero to 60 in like a week and a half time. Oh,
0: that fast? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't, wow. To the point Go where ahead.
1: I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't say more than like a word or a syllable, honestly, every like 15, 20 seconds. Um, I had no balance. I couldn't, I grew up playing music, playing drums. I couldn't play the drums at all. Like I would sit behind a drum set and I couldn't get my hands to find where the drums were. i play piano. I couldn't play, I couldn't read. I couldn't write. I couldn't, um, the brain fog that I had was so bad. I've told this story before. I reintroduced, my best friend of 30 plus years to my sister who he had also known for 30 plus years because they were in a room together. I was like, Oh Scott, have you met my sister Lorelai before? Oh, and, he wow. was, and he was like, Whoa, like he, he, it's, there were those constant, um, realizations of how intense the brain fog was that I was going through. And I brain fog is funny cause you don't realize that you're, necessarily having it right it's just your brain is working a certain way and that's just what it is so yeah coming out of that having to do physical therapy speech therapy all of that and then coming out of it at like 45 years old
0: so it took five years it took four and a half
1: years to completely come out of yeah
0: so of that and i i feel like i asked but it's still so no, ask, hard for me to comprehend of where you were let's say completely incapacitated for the most part like how long was that period
1: that was about oh, got a year
0: so a year of not like walking talking
1: a year of literally just listening and like being on the outside of life and being a prisoner in my body and not it Were you was in a wheelchair no I wasn't in a wheelchair but I shuffled like I was 90 with my hands up here like a T-Rex.
0: Okay, so you could physically at least like do like could you get in, in and out of bed type I of thing? I could get in and out okay. of bed.
1: But it was um the the strange thing about that experience was because it's nervous system, it was uh you know when your body like kind of tenses up and freezes up and you're you're I felt like everything every movement I was doing was like pushing against my body's natural instinct to not do that. So I didn't have full range of motion because I couldn't get my arms to stretch completely fully. Um, so it was all, it all ended up being these like tiny little movements and the hardest thing coming out of it was you sort of learn how to deal with it while you're in it. So I, would talk because I couldn't speak really well. I would talk a lot with my hands and make sure that I signed things enough where people visually could understand, even though right. I couldn't say it. So then you're coming out of it and really getting your speech back together. But then I had to like unprogram myself from using my hands so much and, you know, talking about knocking on a door and like showing what it was like to knock on, you know, all these yeah, things. So you're- that, so you're undoing visually, all right. of this stuff that, uh, that is like a survival mechanism that you uh, sort of latch onto for four and a half years.
0: And if I remember correctly, you said you found a doctor who really was able to get to the bottom of it. And a it, natural was, doctor. it was like an, an inflammatory thing, right? It you was, had,
1: it was a dietary inflammatory thing I had. It's not that I have a severe allergy to things. Um, but I'd been eating eating gluten and dairy my whole life, and because it was all internal inflammation, I had no idea that there was anything going on, um, and it just slowly caught up to me. And my body, it turns out, was in this like perpetual fight or flight mode for years, uh, because it was always fighting what I was putting into it. So then, when I would get sick or any of those things, it like my body would just become overwhelmed by trying to deal with all of it and fight any of it so eventually it just did like a reset basically
0: well it's so interesting that we're learning now how much inflammation can affect the body i mean it's such a big thing now like anti-inflammatory you know foods and anti-inflammatory thing like just wellness things to do for your health um and supplements that you know can stop some of this inflammation that you're learning not only affects the body but the brain i've
1: i've worked out in the gym my whole life like i i enjoy but i've never once thought like oh i should like take some some nutrition like some you know some supplements and some things for my brain health as well you just don't even think about it like it's, it's this thing in your head right that is protected by your skull and you so you don't see it you don't experience it until all of a sudden it's not there and you realize That's the computer that runs all of this. It doesn't matter what shape you're in. It doesn't matter uh, how well-versed you are in anything. At the point when the computer shuts off, you are just sitting there waiting for it to start rebooting and reconnecting with things. It's crazy.
0: Well, speaking of uh gluten and dairy, <laughs> even though you just said no, so, it might have been an issue. No. you also told me I'd like for you to tell me what your favorite comfort food is because we might have some here for you. My
1: favorite comfort food is lasagna i am I am uh italian it's a huge part of me got uh, a
0: paisan in the house
1: yeah it's just sort of a i I love pasta i I've learned now everything in moderation, so it's like I, I try and avoid gluten in those things as much as possible. So then I can eat them every okay. once in a
0: while and be okay. Okay, so I'm not going to injure you. Today no, you're not. You're by, not going to. You're not going to undo you anything. Authentic, real lasagna that is <laughs> real dairy and okay. real. Uh, no, that
1: sounds amazing. Gluten, right? Wait. Okay, okay. Well, that we're going to We're
0: going to get some in here for you. But uh, so tell me why, like even when you were going through this. Mm-hmm. Was food something that you were, I mean, were you still able to like eat what you wanted or no. you weren't even able to really have a normal
1: no food well, experience? Because, because it was undiagnosed, um, I was terrified. I was like, what, you know, what is going on? Is it because of something I've eaten? Is it like, is there, uh, you know, if it's undiagnosed, like, is it possible that I can do something stupid? to cause it to happen again. And I didn't want to relapse and have to go through any of it
0: again. All right. So this is actually a lasagna bolognese. So, of course, I'd say bolognese. Um, But a lasagna with meat sauce and it looks Mm. like there's a creamy ricotta bechamel layer in here too. And I'm I'm loving
1: all of these words that you're using. It's even got like the
0: crispy edges and it's just like this thick hearty meat sauce. And this is... It's so good. Honestly, this might be one of the best lasagnas I've ever had because it's, it's a very, you could tell they cooked this sauce for a very long time.
1: It's got all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It checks all the boxes. Oh, that was good. Mm.
0: That was a good bite. That was a solid bite. Yeah. Okay. So now why, I know you said because you're Italian, but like, is there, let's say even a specific memory where you can think back to even childhood and maybe this specific meal or something similar. Like, you know, you're having a rough day and your mom's like, let me make you some lasagna, you <laughs> so, know, like what, like, <laughs> like how did this become your favorite comfort food? Or- so,
1: uh, my mom was one of the, cause there were three kids in the house and my mom was super busy. So she had her five or six recipes that she would cycle through every week. So it was like, okay, I'm doing the, the flank steak today and then I'm doing the lasagna tomorrow and then I'm doing the. So you knew things were coming and it, they became these sort of regular staples of every week. It was like, okay, well, it's, you know. yeah, Well, yeah, it's, uh, it is what you make of it. <laughs> it, is, it is how you experience it. But it was, um, so there are those things from that weekly menu that were just the things that I ate growing up and lasagna and pasta and manicotti and those, that was one of them. She would cycle pa, uh, pasta dishes were good because you could do variations yeah, yeah. of them, but they were still very simple to do. We talked about lasagna is actually one of the tougher ones.
0: of the Yeah, Martini it's hard. Because, oh, this
1: is so good. Those are really good. I mean, come on now. How can lasagna not be a comfort food?
0: Right. For people. See, yeah, mine would be, I mean, this is very cozy and comforting to me as well. I was very excited when you said, lasagna. <laughs> I was like, um, okay, uh, I'm not going to, mm. I'm not going to fight you on that, but mine would probably be, if it was a very specific dish, my Nana's pasta, the pasta with the sauce that my Nana made um, that, you know, she would make us several times a week. That was just always. Did she
1: always kind of have a like a pot of sauce going? So it was yeah. So every time point, we'd go to
0: her house, or when she would come to our house a lot, it was you know, and she there would be like sometimes food. there were meatballs, sometimes there weren't. Sometimes she would do a meat sauce. Variations, sometimes it was more right. of like a marinara. But mm. that was my comfort food. Um, I want to ask, going back to, in general, when you went through this really tough time, what yeah. once again, you know. It's like, we're talking about these difficult times, but while we're eating this amazing, comforting food (laughs) to make reliving some of these experiences a little bit cozier, you know. But what was the grief aspect of that like for you? Because in that moment, I'm assuming that you were like, am I going to be like this forever? Is my life over? Like, is this this me from now on? Mm -hmm. Were you experiencing grief in that moment for maybe things that you're thinking I might never get to do again, or I might not get to play with my kids how I was hoping to play with them. You know what I mean?
1: For sure. I was going, I was going through all sorts of emotions. Uh, Honestly, grief was one of them. I was incredibly scared because it was, again, it was all undiagnosed. I think the hardest thing for me, honestly, was um, being in it and going, God, I can't, I literally can't do any of the things that make me who I am or what I thought right. made me who I am. So then who am I? I can't I, I've been I've been acting and working since I was nine. I can't do that. I can't read a book. I can't write. I can't like I can't sing. I can't play music. I can't do any of the things that I thought made me me so then it was like okay how long is this going to last and do i need to figure out who the new me through all of this so i was it was questions constantly but the the one thing that was a consistent for me and it sounds like for you too was i was um always like very aware of the person i wanted to be In the moment, like, even though I was feeling all of these things and I could easily let them like depress me and disappoint me, um, I constantly kept like trying to be as positive as possible and realize like, I'm going to climb up out of this and I'll see who I am at the end of it all. But I, there's, what am I going to stress myself out for right now? Like right now, I literally need to focus on learning, like remembering how to walk, how to walk stairs. How like it was unbelievable the things that I had to work on again at 40 years old. And so that's that's
0: huge. That you even in the moment of thinking where you don't know if you're even gonna come out of this, that you were able to keep things positive and have a mindset of no, I'm determined to get this back versus pitying yourself or grieving what you thought you were maybe losing. Right. Or I I mean, maybe you didn't even have a chance to grieve because you were, you were in fear and, and honestly determination,
1: honestly too. I think the level of brain fog that I was dealing with, um, I'm sure helped with that. I mean, uh, my ability to focus was really limited at at that point. So, I'm I'm sure that played a big part in in my emotional mind state, but yeah, I morally my parents really for from as long as I can remember have just instilled in me this sense of staying positive through things. And, and that's, and that stuck with me the whole time. And thank God I had that because I, I I could see going through that how people would lose that faith and that hope, and you know fall into kind of the darkness of of a situation like that, and not not be positive at all, and not yeah. and not look for silver linings whenever they could find them.
0: What would you say the most helpful things that people around you whether it was your family your parents your kids what was to support you during that time what was the most helpful thing that people did and then the least helpful thing that people did it's a
1: good question honestly i think when people were just in my space that was the best for me i nobody was going to be able to say anything that helped me at all through it because it sucked You're just in it. right? So it's like, I just want to have, I remember I just, I loved having people around me that I could feel the love from because I needed that. I I needed that warm feeling of safety around me. People asking me how I was feeling or to update felt like homework after a while. It was like, I don't want to, I'm barely getting through these days. I don't want to sit and then talk about the progress of the day every single day like that's not yeah. that doesn't help me at all if anything it forces me to look back on a tough day that i went through cuz they were all tough days
0: so you just wanted the the proximity like the closeness yeah. of your loved ones nearby just being there not necessarily them trying to fix it because there was nothing anybody could do to fix it.
1: There was nothing anybody could do. So for me, it was like, I wanted as much normalcy as I could around me. I wanted people just around me being the people that they are around me. I wanted my friends being around me, just joking and being that. And if it, if it made me laugh in my own way and I could just sit and listen to that, it was like, Oh, this is great. It's a great day. This is so much fun.
0: We've all learned that comedy can be very, oh, very helpful throughout God, the darkest can it, times.
1: Can it not? It's unbelievable what, what it does. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today.
0: Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Have you, I know we talked about this a bit on your podcast with Sharna and the loss of her father, but have you suffered, let's say a sudden, aside from, well, I'd like to talk about this too, your friend, Luke Perry, like that was a very sudden loss. Have, besides that, have you suffered a sudden loss? Cause I know obviously my loss was very, very sudden and it was just, you know, it just shakes your whole world. So what was that like for you? And. Going through that, let's say, grief period.
1: I was in okay. denial of it for a while. I've told people I. Every once in a while, uh, on the text, the the text conversation that Luke and I were having, God, like the day before he went into the I into the hospital, I would just randomly text just to see if he would respond and see if like it was some big joke or prank or something that, uh, I was going to get some inside information. Like I didn't actually believe that, but there was a part of me that was like, please God, let this be some sort of a joke because it didn't seem real to me. Luke was, I mean, we, we realize, I think in getting older that we're going to start losing people around us. And so you're sort of faced with the reality of that but um not that soon and not him he to me he was the one that was going to outlive all of us to me so when he passed i was just incredibly sad incredibly shocked i've never i've never had a sudden loss in my life like i did with luke he was a brother for me literally i'd known him before we started doing 90210. Um, and he's somebody that I really um, took pride in, like mirroring my life after because he just so inspired me just in the way he touched people and was with people. Um, and he's still to this day something, someone that when something is happening in my life, I'll take a minute and think what would Luke think in this situation or how would he handle this or what? And I I, I can't imagine I'm ever going to stop doing that. So
0: you've been able to take him with you in that aspect of thinking of it's all you have. how he would respond to a situation and knowing his advice. But you can hear his voice, in yeah. a sense, still in your head.
1: As I'm sure you can with Bob. Oh, it's yeah. like It's a thing of... There's, I am so grateful that I had the time with him that I had. and I had the life with him that I had. And I had the true knowing and loving with him that I had uh, on both sides. I'm so incredibly lucky that he loved me the way he did. Um, so that's what sticks with me selfishly is that thing of like, I... God, what a blessing it was to have this person in my life the way I had them in my life and to have that experience that is truly individual. I know the relationship that I had with him was our individual relationship. It wasn't like a fan, like it wasn't, you know, just a, um, like a, casual friend kind of thing or it wasn't ever that kind of interaction it was very we knew each other deeply he knew how i was feeling at the time i was feeling it and vice versa and that's it's at the end of the day it's amazing because you know we we're gonna lose people anyway but the fact that we had people in our lives that were as um, as kind and as loving and as great an experience as he was for me and I'm sure Bob was for you. That's I amazing. I they were
0: friends. I feel like they, I remember. I'm sure they I met, but Bob, I'm sure they're hanging out now. I remember when Luke passed, I remember Bob saying like, oh, he was such a nice guy and I just don't know the extent of their relationship, but I'm sure they knew each other because those seem like the two guys that would have been buddies, you know? Totally, yeah. Did you feel a certain pressure or a pull, in a sense, publicly, you know, because when we went through this grief, like we had to do it publicly, let's say from whether it was the public or other people that you knew like, oh, I have to grieve a certain way or I have to show it publicly this way. Otherwise people are going to think I'm not grieving or sure. Wait, uh, I'm sorry. This is my private life. I'm not going to show anything. Like, what was that like for you?
1: I get it all the time. I get it with everything. It's, it's this weird, um, this weird thing of people within the public thinking that they have a right to, tell someone else how to best deal with their lives and their emotion. I in losing Luke it was a very tough thing for me. Some people go can go right to Instagram and and write a beautiful beautiful tribute to them. And that's everybody's got their way. Like I don't judge people for that. My way is not that way at all. My way is I need my space to sit in a room by myself and find a way of wrapping my head and my heart around a situation like that. And then you come out of it and you, you grieve in your own way. Like I ended up, I was doing a podcast at the time. So for me, it was sitting down for an hour. Um, with the guy that I was doing the podcast with and just talking about Luke and the loss of him and what was going on, that to me was, that was the best way for me to deal with it. You find that the thing that is cathartic to you.
0: But that was still at least you sharing it with people so people would know how, you know, the special nature of your relationship and you were sharing it versus... I mean, some people completely close off and won't say anything, and then some people kind of. But
1: I think they have every right to
0: share. You know, a ton. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think everybody has the right to uh, grieve and go through it the way that suits them best and honors the situation the best. Grieving is uh, a difficult experience. For me, just really wrapping my brain around the concept of this person that was such a big part of my life—that's that's done. I'm never physically gonna have him sitting in front of me again. That was—it's—it's it's that thing of like trying to wrap your head around the concept of the universe going on forever,
0: right? <laughs> like, yeah.
1: How? What do you mean? How does that? You know, and. and so I have the same thing in my head. I still have the lock picture on my phone. Is still the last picture that Luke sent me. Oh wow! And I can't. And I've tried changing it, and I just can't. Wow. I can't how, because how
0: long before he passed that he sent that to you?
1: Like two days. He oh, was. Wow. Okay, he so was you at were the in beach. contact. To oh, the he was. Therapy. We had had lunch like two days before. Wow. And uh, and I was telling him about all of the neurological stuff that I had gone through because I I was so embarrassed of it while I was going through it. I didn't really share it with anybody. I just sort of went through it quietly on my own with like the immediate people that were around me. So at the point when he, when I heard that he had a stroke, my first thought was, I just like went through this. I just went through you know, all of the speech therapy, physical therapy, all all the stuff that you need to do. So I, who better to help him through this than me? I literally am just coming out of this now.
0: And then it was just. And then he passed. Right.
1: It was, I, it was the next day. It was like, oh, there was, he had, he had passed away.
0: Did you feel this almost sense of either a, you know, like gratitude for, wow, like that could have happened to me, but it didn't. Or be like almost a sense of guilt, like, oh, why did, how am I okay? I, I came through this thing and then, you know, he didn't. Is there Honestly, any co- complicated no. Complicated feeling like that, you know? No,
1: because he, what he went through was so different from what I went through. And I really didn't want to compare the two. Like, I, I knew I had to recover from the neurological stuff I went through like I had a stroke, but I didn't actually have a stroke. Um he did. So I knew it was a different situation. I mean, he he passed away because of complications from brain swelling and things that happened because of the the physical stroke itself. There was absolutely a part of me that was really upset and disappointed, of course, that it was as serious that it was because people have strokes all the time. People don't die from strokes all the time. And he was 52 years old at that point. He was young. So normally people go through strokes and then they recover. It takes years sometimes to, to, you know, but uh, they recover from them. And I knew there, there was a part of me with him, with the loss of him where I felt like maybe that was the best thing to happen for him cuz Luke was very Luke took pride in who he was he was very quick-witted he was very kind he was very generous and to have to not have any of th- those any of those things missing at all would have so severely affected him i, I think for for a recovery possibly taking 4 years anywhere near there it would have been really really difficult for him at Luke honestly was either he to me he either had to be a hundred percent or or not there there was no middle ground.
0: I think about that with Bob all the time too, that I mean of course, when somebody you lose somebody so suddenly, it's very natural to rationalize like oh, this is for the best because you know, oh. Actually, this was better that it happened this way, you know, because number one, it brings us some peace, a little bit of gratitude for maybe, you know, that well, it could have been, you know, something worse could have happened. You know, I think in Bob's situation, yeah, what if, because he had this head injury, what if, you know, it would have been a thing where he lived, but then couldn't he was, do what he loved, he, right, and wasn't himself, right, and right. He, he would it would have not driven him crazy. Have wanted that he, right. you know, like I remember. We would even joke about, you know, because he would always say how he was going to outlive me. He was always like, I'm like, well, you know, we're 23 years apart, so chances are, <laughs> right, right, you know, and he's like, I'm well. pretty healthy. I'm I like, eat I'm, pretty well. You know, right, I'm, I'm pretty like, active. If I make it to 95, I'm like, you're probably not going to be 118. And you know? you're not going to want to be
1: alive at 118. Exactly,
0: anyway. but he yeah. was like, you don't know that. I could be 118. <laughs> and, and we would joke saying things like, you know, well, one day I'm going to be taking care of you and, you know helping you go to the bathroom and things like that. And he was like, absolutely not. You will never be doing that for me. Like I either, he'd say like, I will get somebody else to do it or like, please God, just take me before that happens, you know? And so that was one of those things that I was like, well, at least it's better to have that than for him to be, you know, in a state where he's not fully himself. Honestly,
1: in grieving too, it's like you're looking for those silver lining things and it's for, you know, it's, Uh, It's one of the things I think that makes it so individual in in grieving. It's like you have to find the things that bring comfort to you in getting through a horrible situation. And so if if that thinking helps you through the process at all, then... And that's what you think, you know. And some people may be like, oh, but that's such a morbid view. And I I would have been better to have him in any state compared to, you know, and it's like, okay, so then you feel that. That's fine. Right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And you do you. And when you experience death and loss and grief, it's, I'm much more comfortable talking of the darker, upsetting, morbid things than maybe somebody else would be because you've gone through it where, And also even making dark, gallows humor jokes. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can say things that can be pretty kind of twisty and that somebody else who hasn't gone through it, they're like, how could you say something like that? I'm like, oh, uh, my husband was a comedian who said the darkest shit ever.
1: Like, uh, you know, what other people may view as dark, you look at and you go, that wasn't dark at all. Like, that was absolutely... Who we were together, that's the humor that we shared, and I am well, that's absolutely just how we talk to each other on a daily basis, you know right, I like exactly. in speaking to him directly, I'm going to continue to speak to him the way we've always spoken to each other,
0: yeah, one thing that Sharna said during um my podcast with you guys that was so interesting was she was also looking for those silver linings when she was telling about how she lost her father and how she was able to have a better relationship with him now than she was even when she was, when he was alive. Yeah. Um, which was very interesting that she was able to find that silver lining, like, because she went through such a, you know, intense loss as well. Like, has she taught you anything now that maybe going forward, even if you, let's say lo- lose somebody else one day that you can get sure. some of this knowledge from her?
1: I'm sure. I, I uh, I, I, Again, I'm absolutely sure I can't imagine who that person would be right now, or I think it's all relative and it's so individual with everyone, but she, um, she's been so inspiring with dealing with it because it's this sticky situation. I mean, we had only been together for a year and a half and, uh, she found out that she was pregnant and her dad had been dealing with health stuff for a long time in Australia. But she knew that she really wanted to see him, if possible, um, to tell him that she was pregnant. And he, he said whatever he had to to get out here. And there's, there's definitely a part, of, a, a part of us that believes that he knew it was most likely going to be a last trip for him. So she went, she went through all the experience of it. I mean, she, she went through the the frustration of, well, how could he come out here knowing that I'm pregnant and put us through this? and, and that, So she went through all the different stages of it, the anger, the guilt, feeling like, is there something that I could have done that I didn't do? She kind of went through all of that. And now she has this beautiful relationship with the appreciation of him that she didn't really have so much when, when he was here because he wasn't, he was a difficult person to appreciate. Uh, he made it very difficult to appreciate him. And now she has this, like she looks back on her life and she goes, God, all, like these are the things that absolutely happened because he was my dad. And they talk all the time. and, you guys were talking about it. The, the, the compared to the person that was here on earth, the heavenly version is, uh, got to assume you just feel is, is a different, is a different energy than was here.
0: Yeah. Isn't that interesting? In an amazing
1: way, like not in a, it's a different person, but it's a, it's a, they now have a different perspective on life. Like you feel that, yeah. you feel that
0: a thousand percent feel that too, from Bob Yeah, that the heavenly Bob, you know, would, you know, look at the bigger picture of things and have a certain perspective of, you know, have um, more
1: patience and understanding and gratitude. Exactly.
0: Exactly. And, um, you know, that that's not just your, like internalization of it you know that you're like that that's really i feel that energy like coming from them now yeah. and i would just ask because you know you have such an incredible perspective on you know because of what you've gone through whether it's with your physical issue that you had for years <laughs> which is just mind blowing to me and then you know losing a close friend like what would advice would you give to somebody going through a very, very tough time like that, whether it's losing somebody or going through your own loss in a sense where you were almost grieving the loss of yourself, um, advice you would give to somebody going through it and also advice you would give to somebody helping somebody grieve.
1: Um, the advice for going through it, honestly, I think is to really just continue to have an understanding that there is a light at the end of the tunnel there is you don't know how long it's going to take to get there but there is a light at the end of the tunnel but you just have to believe that because it's everything i've i look back on i remember when i was going through stuff and i was feeling like oh this is this is the i'm never going to feel better after this but then you do life is is really amazing it's amazing how even sitting in these moments that, are, that, that just seem impossible to be in, there's, there's an end to it. There, there are always new beginnings. And, and so if I was with, if I was around someone that was going through stuff, I would, I think, just continue to remind them. Remind them that I love them and that I'm here with them Um, and that we'll get through it together.
0: That's so important because looking back, that is everything that I wanted to hear at, at the time, you know, just knowing that somebody was there and they're like, I can't help you in every way right now. All I can do is say that I love you. And I'm here for you and it will get better, I promise, because you don't, you feel so lost and hopeless. You're like, this sucks so bad. Like, right. I can't, I can't, I I can't live in this for one more day. What this is, go- how could this ever get better? But just to know that it does. And now that, you know, you've gone through a lot and it does get better. I've gone through a lot. It does, it get, does better. get better. It does get better. So just to know that, and I think that gives you ammo for knowing that there are going to be losses in the future and just know no matter how much it punches you in the stomach and slaps you across the face and makes you feel like life is over, it's not, and that it will get better and it will go on. And, you know, I've also learned things that can help other people and I was not and still am not going to be like the professional when it comes to helping somebody else go through something. I've always been a little like, oh, I don't want to overstep. I don't want to, I. I don't want to,
1: you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know them be. well
0: enough to just show up at their house, you know. But let's say, is there something that if you were telling your best friend who their friend is grieving, like how to help them? like. What would you say in terms of like, uh, or, or don't do this? Like you were saying, I hate when people gave me homework. I said the same thing. Yeah. Is that like kind of a big takeaway? Like, Don't give people homework to do.
1: Honestly, I think just love, just love people. That's people need, that is, that is strength. I think when you feel the love from other people around you, you feel like you're not in such a deep hole. You feel like, okay, I'm in something right now, but it's the difference between being in a dark room by yourself or being in a dark room surrounded by people that you love and feeling like, okay, the room is dark, but I, it's, I'm still safe yeah. here. Um, I I would say just continue to talk people through that and, and really let them know that they're safe, that you will absolutely hold them and help them in dealing with their own stuff as much as possible. I think there's a, I think there's a fine line between fixing, trying to fix people and then trying to be there for people. I think, um, the experiences are important. Right. I I mean, I, I can only assume that the loss that you went through with Bob, what you gained coming out the other end of that is invaluable. And it's 100%. nothing, and it's nothing, it's not an experience you can completely share. You can tell people about it and you can give people advice if they're going through their own stuff, but you can't really make somebody understand the feeling that you went through at the time. Now, and it's not our job to do that. And that experience was you can only
0: do your best and try to share as much as experience was for you, you to
1: come through, come all the way through and come out the back of to be the person that you are. And, you know, different, I think the universe sort of puts in front of us things that we're capable of dealing with.
0: Yeah. They say, like, God will never give you more than you can handle, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess my last question for you then is because it also, I remember I was so blown away when you're like, oh, I have five kids. <laughs> like, I was like, I, I, I knew you had some, I didn't know you had yeah. five. Yeah. And I assume that when you go through difficult times and you, have come out the other side and being a father, being a parent, there's all these lessons that you want to impart to them as well. Yeah. Of, because guess what? Things aren't always amazing. They're going to have to go through stuff too. Like, is there a piece of advice or something that you've been sharing with them? Like when you went through your dark time and like when you've lost people, um, or when even Sharna lost her dad, that, you know, a little life lesson that you've shared with them.
1: I think, If there was one thing that someone had told me when I was a young parent is I think parents make the mistake of trying to raise little versions of themselves. They're not little versions of you. They may have things in common with you, a love of music, a love of this or that. My job as a parent is to make sure that they are the best people they can be being exactly who they are. I love my parents, but honestly, like looking at at who they are now, I could not be more different from my parents than I am. I have three young kids in the house, eleven, nine, 9, and 7. They've been raised, for the most part, the same way. They could not be more different as human beings. And so I just continue to try and embrace that and go, okay, journey's a nut. You know, jury's out on what he's going to end up doing, but (laughs) but I just want to make sure that I I constantly instill in him being kind, be like really taking into consideration other people's feelings and be you know being um just being a good person. I whatever he chooses to do in life or whoever he ends up being, just add to the world in being that person. Don't be somebody that that selfishly just sort of does their own thing. And it doesn't matter how they affect the people around them. Cause that drives me crazy. Right. I, I empathy is a big one for me being aware of the fact that that process is happening and that you are in that nothing happens naturally. It's all you, you have to live consciously for everything. You have to really pay attention to who you want to be in moments and, and do it. I don't, I don't feel like I am a better person than anybody else for thoughts or feelings that I have. I just bust my ass every single day to implement those things and be the person that I want to be.
0: And all you can do is share what you've learned. And that's my legacy. Take, take some of that uh, wisdom, information, advice, and all you can do is do your best to share it. That's my legacy,
1: man. Not like, not the shows that I've been on and the stuff that I've done. My legacy is people talking about me afterwards after my life has ended and, and, and what their thoughts and judgment of me were like that is, that is truly what you leave behind. And I want to leave the best version of that possible. I want my kids, I want my kids to reflect who I chose to be and how I chose to live my life and the people that were around them. I, that's the only thing that I have control over.
0: We've done a brilliant, fantastic job so far. <laughs> and just for me knowing you, As I mean, we got to know each other actually. I mean, you know, we didn't. Under extreme circumstances. Know much of each other before. I mean, obviously, as I said, I knew you from your show, but like, I didn't we had never met before and then because of that extreme circumstance being able to be brought together under these crazy circumstances we were able to really get to know each other we
1: talked on the phone after you got out and you were like i can't believe like i wanted to call you like as one of the first things i barely even know you but this whole experience its we
0: truly felt like we had this connection and we're friends even though it wasn't that long of a period but as i said this God bless Special Forces. Yeah, it really truly brought people together, and I'm just so grateful that not only did we share in that show together, but I was on your podcast. You've now been on mine. I love. We're gonna finish this lasagna. Oh yes, we are. And and I'm just so grateful that you came here today and shared even more of you know your experiences, and I'm just very thankful that you're so open and honest. And um, I love you, Kelly. You're so you're such a
1: good person, and uh, I I I wish you just the absolute best in everything.
0: Thank you. And of course, I do is for you as well. And I'm so excited for everything you have coming up. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Today, we had a delicious Bolognese lasagna in the studio. And if you want to make this classic comfort dish at home, here's my favorite recipe. You're going to add some hot oil to a pan, add some minced carrot, onion and celery to the oil and saute for about four to six minutes. Then you're gonna add some ground beef and ground pork and cook until it's brown and cooked through. Then you're gonna deglaze the pan with some red wine to get all those good bits up from the bottom. Then add some crushed tomatoes, salt and pepper, and mix it up. While that's cooking, you wanna start your bechamel sauce, which is essentially just butter, milk, and flour with a dash of nutmeg. You're gonna stir until it's nice and thick and creamy. Then you're gonna boil your pasta noodles. Then you're ready to assemble. Start with your cooked noodles on the bottom, then layer up with sauce and bechamel to your heart's content. And if you didn't catch all that, be sure to check out a more detailed recipe in the show notes. Buon appetito and see you next time. Comfort Food is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for ACAST. Our executive producers are Fanny Baudry, Cassie Berman, Leah Sutherland, and yours truly, Kelly Rizzo. Our audio producer is Chiara Noni. Special thanks to Camila Goldenberg for production assistance. Our audio engineer and editor is Matthew Blocka. This podcast is hosted by me, Kelly Rizzo. Thanks for tuning in.